going, everyone? I'm Mel, and you're listening to Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. Today, I'm joined by Liam and Will as we run through the Melbourne Demons. How's it going, guys? Yeah, pretty good. Hi, everyone. So, a bit of overview of Melbourne. One of the other original clubs formed in 2017. They've been pretty consistently getting better as they go. So, they made it into the semifinals in Season 4, preliminary finals in Season 5, and then all the way up to the finals in Season 6, only to lose to Adelaide at the very end. But that's a pretty good trajectory, so hoping to see good things from them in Season 7. In terms of who the captain and coach combination was going to be, we had a bit of pre-season excitement, thinking that maybe like three times Best and Ferris winner Daisy Pierce and long-standing captain would move into the coaching role. But she decided at the last minute that she's got one, one more season left in her, so will instead stay on as captain. And they'll be coached by their inaugural coach, Mick Stinier, in Season 7. So now that we've got a bit of a history and backstory on Melbourne, time to get to Melbourne as a fantasy-relevant team. Unfortunately, Melbourne suffer from the same curse as Brisbane. Elite team will challenge for finals with great players on every line, but with a large number of players, fantasy near irrelevant because they're maxed out in price and because they're not going to be changing role. And as a result of being a very good side with not a lot of people leaving, not a whole lot of rookies either. So there's really going to be some very slim pickings. But also, there's going to be some potential tactical plays that you can make later during the season if we see some subtle increases in scoring or some subtle role changes like we saw from Melbourne last year. Yeah, and just to to build on that as well, the only real role changes we really did see from the Melbourne players last season was role changes in the veteran players like superstar Daisy Pierce ended up as a all Australian half forward flanker, which is fantastic for Melbourne. Good for goal kicking, but definitely doesn't help her fantasy scoring as a previously one of the best scoring midfielders in the game. So keep an eye out for those veteran role changes. And maybe there might be some players on the younger side that do get a fantasy boost from filling those previously filled roles by the veterans. Yeah, so good segue. Why don't we start going line by line in defence? So they've got a pretty intercept-heavy defence with some great players for the game, maybe not the most fantasy-relevant players. Starting with Lampard, uh, she got an average of 52 last season. Do we think that she's one to watch? I think she's one to watch. She played a variety of roles last year, Sarah Lampard. So she played a bit as that key defender, so quite a few of those intercepts, which was quite good. She also played a bit through the midfield, and that was where she did a bit of her higher scoring. But then again, she also played a tagging role at times. So definitely one to watch in terms of the, the role. In terms of whether you want to start with her, I think it's definitely one to, to maybe leave and see if she starts the season really strongly, can possibly upgrade too. So I think one of the problems with Sarah Lampard is that once Melbourne got a whole bunch of their midfielders back towards the middle of last season, that midfield role completely disappeared and scoring went off a cliff. Had a run of pretty consistent, decent scores kind of at a you know top five level for the defensive line. And then after round eight, went 18 and then three scores in the 40s. So... That should give you some good idea that if the midfield midfield role is there, valuable pickup. But if it's not, an avoid. Someone else in the defence I was considering last season was Shelley Heath. She was on my watch list because she started off with a couple of shockers, but then she had a great round three and she kind of stayed pretty high after that. So she's got a really 
high cap of over 60, given how low she was priced with those 220 scores at the start of the season. But never one I actually brought in, and I don't really remember why. Does anyone have any opinions on her? I mean, similar to what we've we've said before, very good player playing in that halfback line for Melbourne, but not really a whole lot of fantasy scoring. Very consistent, other than a 39, always scored over 40, but only scored that one score over 60, so that's 64 in round 10, so to finish off the season. Still young, only 22, so maybe a player for the future, but at the moment, based on what we have seen in that halfback role, probably someone that may just get you a consistently good score rather than really pushing up. Yeah, and I guess the other <laughs> the other one we have to talk about is Libby Birch. Bit of a, a crowd favourite here. Um, very highly owned. Super important to own. She had previously played mostly as a lockdown defender, really played as the classic third tall role that we talk about in football where peeling off, taking those intercept marks, which really boosted her scoring up. Uh, and quite early on, she was one of the highest averaging defenders off a really low base price. So became a must own faded away a bit in terms of the scoring as the season progressed and became someone that needed to be traded out on the back of those earnings. But a player like that is someone that we're keen to try and find early on this season, but Libby Birch won't be that player. It is indicative of there is some value in just continuing to look for players who just have a slightly changed role. And I think the other thing that changed with Libby Birch was taking kick-ins, which is a few cheap plus threes coming out Mm. of the back line. And sometimes even a nice little plus nine when it's the short kick to the pocket and then another kick mark. As much as it's not someone we're going to own this year, it's a style of player that you need to stay stay on the lookout for, particularly if one of your mid-priced players doesn't fire in the first two rounds as a potential downgrade target to allow you to upgrade a rookie somewhere else. What about Colvin? Colvin is out with an ACL injury. I wasn't, I was never looking at Gabby Colvin, very good key defender, but it's a player who Melbourne will have to replace. Uh, The likely replacement is probably Charlotte Wilson, who's just come across from Carlton, a 179 key defender, probably not really fantasy relevant in this, in this sense, but likely means there will be a bit of a reshuffle in that Melbourne backline. So there may be a bit of interest there, potentially if someone such as Sarah Lampard does get a bit more time elsewhere. So moving on to the midfield then, Melbourne's highest scoring mid that was listed as a mid in season six uh, was Lily Mithin with an average of 83, which is great, but she's going to be full priced, or at least she was. So probably prices are out of anyone that we would really consider. I really like Lily Mithin as a player. I was very disappointed that she didn't become an inaugural signing for Geelong, given she's from down that way. Um, Will, this is a fantasy podcast, not the players I wish played for the team I support podcast. Just a reminder. Is that is that not what AFLW fantasy is? <laughs> it's about making your dream team? Exactly. Yeah, de- she's definitely a player that I take a bit of interest in because she's 24 years old, had a season high of 117 last season. Yeah. So 28 disposals, six marks, six tackles. So fills out the stat line. As we've said, will be on the higher end of the price. Can she push up into that premium range? Yet to be seen. So maybe someone to keep an eye on as a potential to raise their price, but to start with, not 100% sure she's really the person to go for in terms of value. One of those classic players that we keep talking about as really saw a bump in score last year and looked like an elite player. But when you're priced at 81, it's going to be really difficult to, to really show your value. 
you need to see that kind of maybe 20 point bump in order to be like, this is a value player to own. Now, the only counterpoint to that is her final three round average was 107 points. And the lowest score that she went at in the final five rounds was 78. So only three points below her average, which should give you some indication that as Melbourne consolidated themselves as an elite side in the back half of last year, her fan, at least from a fantasy scoring perspective, was substantially consolidated in that time. So if you see Melbourne coming out and looking dominant straight away, she's shown that she's got 20 points of upside. I just don't think that that's going to be a consistent thing throughout the year. Yeah, and, and I guess to build on that, even if it is maybe a 10-point rise, you know, rising up to that 90 average, you're not going to have too much issues making up that price difference when you're upgrading later on. So if she does come out and starts scoring really well, she could be one of your first upgrade targets from your rookies. One thing that's been really interesting in looking into Melbourne from last season was what happened upon the reintroduction of Liv Purcell. What do you see her doing in season seven? Yeah, Liv Purcell is a really interesting one for me because she's coming off an ACL injury played at the end of last season for an average of 62 in that midfield. So not necessarily uh, showing a whole lot to begin with, but she averaged mm. 71 in 2020, which she was the year she won the Cats best and fairest and also made the All-Australian squad. And this was only her second year of football. So she's got a lot of upside to go. She's also a tackling player. We've talked a bit about how wet weather footy might really suit those sorts of players. So if she can really nail down that, premium midfield role especially if she's playing that sort of Kiara Bowers style defensive mid role where they're getting the tackles and putting on that pressure she's a player that could really jump up in terms of her average and push it up towards that 80 mark do you think you've seen enough from her to have confidence to put her in your starting squad or is she one you want to just see how she begins at the start of the season and then bring her in yeah personally I think Liv Purcell is one that I'm going to watch and wait on at, at that sort of mid-tier price, you really need to get bang for your buck. And if that doesn't come early on, you're basically going to have to waste a trade. The Melbourne midfield is going to be quite interesting. There's going to be a bit of movement with some of their veterans moving into other roles, such as Daisy Pierce. And also there's a spot opened up on that sort of wing half forward role due to an unfortunate injury to Eliza McNamara, uh, who injured her spine during the preseason. So hopefully all the best to Eliza and her recovery. Um, but just means there might be a bit of reshuffling, which means that other players might be taking roles that will be more fantasy friendly, but at the same time, there is definite upside in Olivia Purcell. So keep her on your watch list. Just one thing to add in on Liv Purcell is the way that the price that number works. If you don't play more than half the season, you will get a discount on your average from the lot from the two of the last years, whichever is higher. And if you miss all 10 games, then you get a 30% discount. So Liv Purcell only played four games last year. And that means that she's going to get a 6% discount on her price stat number. Add in the fact that she was basically coming in mid-season, some might say underdone in a midfield where it was always going to be difficult to break in and score well early, given the number of established heads that are there. I think that Liv Purcell is not a watch and wait till the end of the season. It might be a, if we see a decent score in the preseason, it could be one of the top two or three mid-priced players that you need to bring into your midfield. 
she's a player that if you are going to bring her into your team, it's going to have to be almost in the first three or four rounds. Otherwise you're going to miss that price rise. Cause at that, at that price of around about, you know, the high fifties, if she is scoring eighties, that price is going to rocket up before you can afford to get her. And uh, another of the midfielders that we seem to st- feel pretty strongly about here, um, Eliza West, one of Liam's favourites. I believe you loved her in your utility spot last season. Yeah, so I don't know if we've necessarily got into the weeds on the utility spot necessarily at this stage. It's a bit of a tactical thing. But essentially, I was using an extra midfielder to play in my ruck position just because of the, the constant problem we've talked about, which is a lack of value rucks after the midpoint of the season. Eliza West is another inside midfielder, funnily enough, at Melbourne. But the reason why she's super interesting, she came in as a rookie prize player, but having played college basketball in the US and then not played a massive amount of football, she's now going to have played a full season of AFLW. She also then doubled up with a stint in the VFLW this season and also scored very well. She's another one of those awkwardly priced players. She's still going to be at that average of 50, and I'm not 100% sure there's enough points for her. But an absolute inside bull loves a cuddle, someone you've got to watch for. (laughs) That's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, and I I think the other thing, we've talked a bit about Mithen and Purcell at the moment, is you've got three players who all play a pretty similar game, which means we're expecting at least two of them will always be in that set of bounce, which is good for mm. fantasy. But that actual makeup is going to be really something to watch early on. Because if West is getting those early center bounces at the expense of, say, Olivia Purcell, her scoring could absolutely skyrocket. And we could be talking about her as the absolute must get in round, you know, one, two, three. But at the same time, if Purcell starts the year really, really well. West might be on the outer playing an unfamiliar wing role or just coming off the bench. And all of a sudden, you've got a player who's got stacks of talent, great ball-winning ability, but who just isn't getting those fantasy points like you want. Yeah, I guess unlike a, a Frio or an Adelaide or something that we've spoken about, where there's obvious kind of elite mids that you might consider spending cash up on in your starting squad, sounds a little bit risky uh, with Melbourne given the potential role changes and how that all how they're all going to piece together in the mids. So probably not a team to have a lot of starting midfielders with, but one to just keep watching and and pay attention to to bring in as the season goes on. Leads us perfectly to talk about one of the most fantasy-relevant players from last year, but because of a midfield role, might not be as relevant this year, in Tyler Hanks. Was a forward last year, came in and was a top three forward, someone that in particular at the beginning of the year you needed to own. What are we going to do about her this year? Is Will, is she someone that you see continuing to improve with permanent midfield time as a like, you know, 10 to 15 point increase and former AFLW rising star? Or is that a, is that a max value in, you know, in the high 70s? I don't think it's a max value, but I think it's always risky to bank on the trajectory because Tyler Hanks, fantastic player, but once again, plays a lot of that inside role, gets a lot of those inside disposals. So she may be pushing more on a wing, which would be good for, for Melbourne to have that outside run. But it also might mean that she's only going to keep around that 80 mark, which once again, if she's already priced close to 80 as just a pure midfielder, you're not getting the value that you need. I think Tyle Hanks is definitely a player that could become an elite midfielder in time. She's still only 22, as we've said, former rising star winner. 
but banking on a player who's averaging 77 to push up into that 90 straight off the bat is always going to be a risky call. Yeah, we got to pay a lot of attention to her in season six. She was really great to watch and she was an essential in all of our teams, but probably not one that comes on in season seven at the start anyway. Just by the way, did you guys know that Tyler Hanks uh, didn't really have to go to the gym because she was just lifting paint cans at Bunnings the whole time and that, that really increased her fitness to make her stronger on the field? Are you saying that Tyler Hanks worked at Bunnings? <gasps> what a shocking twist. <gasps> Superstar player. I think, I think at this stage she is in that similar boat to your Liv Purcells where if straight off the bat she's got that price increase, try to get her in. But banking on her to go from a, an 80 average up to a 90 at the price point that she'll be at is going to be a risky call. So while Tyler Hanks was one of the real forward superstars last season, a player who I've actually got a bit more interest in in that forward line, mainly because they're probably more likely to be listed as a forward, is actually Kate Hall. So Mm. Kate Hall, similar sort of role to Tyler Hanks, floated across half forward and through the midfield, bit of wing. There's a spot open there with Eliza McNamara's injury. And so I wonder if she's the one that gets the, the benefit from that injury by getting more midfield time. And as Liam's pointed out to us quite a few times, when she moved into that midfield, her scoring went much, much better than when she was playing a permanent forward role. Kate Hoare is someone that you see in a game play in the midfield and immediately go, why are you a permanent forward? Just some natural ability to move through packs and just sift her way through. Not a pure inside player, not a pure outside player, just someone that you want the ball in their hands. And then the reason why, even though they're pretty much a pure forward, still one of the more expensive players going into last year. I reckon we probably still need to talk about Kate Hall because she still dropped 14K in price last year. Didn't have nearly as great a season, probably partly due to Taylor Harris being there just a bit additionally and Melbourne just trying to figure out a forward and midfield balance and structure. I reckon she's probably still an F1 or F2 someone that you'd want to have in your side to start the season because we've seen that she can go, you know, mid to high 60s in the past. Yeah, she's got a couple of low scores from season six in her price, a couple of like 30s in, and we've seen she's got a ceiling over 100. So makes sense. Last season she went in the season priced at 70 and dropped down to 60. So there's still price upside there for her, someone who can kick a bag. And in AFLW fantasy, the ability to accumulate possessions, it's not seen as a detriment that it's a key forward position because just the limited number of players who roll through the midfield who are forwards each season, she's probably still going to be someone we have to think about. I completely agree. And playing in that midfield is fantastic. But I think even if she is playing in that forward role, she kicked 12 goals last season I think she's a very viable option regardless of where she plays. I think, as we've said, there's definitely definitely that upside and an average of around 60 is pretty golden for a forward. And with a lot of those midfield types moving out back into that midfield in the fantasy sense, she might end up just being one of the forwards that you need to have in the competition regardless. Yeah, she's not someone I really considered last season, but it was a very steep learning curve and I guess there were more immediate people. But Yeah, she's someone I would uh, definitely think about even starting with going into this season. And I think the key thing you mentioned, Will, is that she probably suffers from the the goal kickers problem, which scoring is super lumpy. And 
I that bore true last season as well. And it was just in those games where there was a bit of extra time in the midfield that kind of ceiling score can still get up to 80s, but then we still saw, you know, a 34. Would you say that that whore true? <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think one of the main things with Kate Hoare, going into last season, she had some really, really high scoring games in the 2021 season, season five, which meant that she was probably going into it a bit overpriced. And that was what we ended up soaring. As Liam mentioned, she went down about 14 grand. So going into it, I was a bit hesitant to pay that full price, which is why in hindsight now with what she's done in the last season, plus potentially getting more midfield time, I actually see the reverse of that. I see her as a player who can now, even with a few less scoring games here or there, provides the value where she can definitely hit those 80s to 90s. And hopefully a bit more consistently as well. Absolutely. And and that'll come with more experience as well uh, and experience in that midfield role. So if Kate Hall's going in the midfield, who's kicking those goals instead? Yeah, it's an interesting question because we saw a lot of the the goals for Melbourne kicked by their, their veteran players in Taylor Harrison, Daisy Pierce, who we'll get to in a second. Mm. An interesting player for me who could fill that small forward role is Sabrina Duffy. So she came over to, to Melbourne from Freo as a free agent, previous leading goal kicker for Freo, and has averaged 40 in every season that she's actually played in. So having missed the entirety of last season is likely to be a very discounted price and having that AFLW experience for a very good team as well in Frio. Mm. If she is around that rookie price and is getting games for Melbourne, that's the big if, she actually could be a really decent value pick. Yeah, that could be great. Um, I guess we need to kind of, maybe she's not starting squad because we need to see if she's playing. Um, but yeah, no, that's a, that's a good call. Well, speaking of the veterans then, we couldn't really be uh, going through the Melbourne's forward line without mentioning Taylor Harris, one of the names that I imagine most people knew beforehand going into season six, largely because of that photo, uh, the the amazing goal kicking or just kicking photo, which is like splits in the air. But luckily for us, uh, we weren't caught out in the uh, trap of just getting excited that we knew a player. She was actually pretty fantasy relevant as well. Um Awesome football player, uh, four times All-Australian, four times leading goal kicker. Would you consider her this year for fantasy, Will? No, not this year. Last year she came into it at a very low price. She had arguably her worst season in the competition, you know, last season at Carlton. So she was quite cheaply priced going into uh, season six. Uh, and she ended up finishing the year really, really strongly. She started the year with some lowish scores, but at that sort of price, it wasn't too much of a concern. But she finished the year with some 60s and an 86 in that demolition of Fremantle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it meant that it was it was quite an interesting tactical thing with Taylor Harris because it meant that you either had to get rid of her early to to allay the the what we thought was going to be a loss of money, yeah. Or you hold it all the way through to benefit from those massive scores with that in mind i don't think there's any value with taylor harris this year um she'll probably be fully priced did did average fairly well last season average of 51 which would put her in in that bracket of forwards you might consider uh but probably isn't a forward that you're going to be starting with at the very least yeah i agree any thoughts on this one liam yeah i was unfortunately one of those people that jumped off right at the wrong time last year, just as she got her feet underneath her and then proceeded to kick bags on bags on bags. I just think that if ever you wanted a 
you know, a reason why to not own her. Last three round average at the end of the season of 56, but a final round score of 30. And speaking of the other big name that we know uh, going in, Daisy Pierce, um, probably heard of before given that she's another gun um, and has been the captain for the entirety of Melbourne's time. All Australian forward flanker, great player. I love watching her play, but probably not fantasy relevant for me. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, it was really interesting, actually, because she hit some really good form late in the season, which I actually considered bringing her into my forward line as a, or into my midfield, rather, because she was listed as a midfielder last season. Mm. I considered bringing her in just to get a a couple of big points late because she was priced fairly cheaply. And the reason she was priced fairly cheaply is because there were quite a lot of low scores in there playing as that that half forward role. Um, Being a stalwart of the game, will go down as one of the game's greatest. And I think a lot of new coaches will probably look at Daisy Pierce, who will probably be listed as a forward and think, wow, that's a player who I'm, I can target. Unfortunately, I think Daisy's time as a fantasy superstar are probably behind her, but she'll be as important as ever for Melbourne to push them towards a potential flag. Yeah, I, I, just a, a word of warning for, for new coaches her price at score and in particular her final three-round score was almost entirely impacted by a 102 in the demolition derby that was Melbourne Fremantle in round nine last year. I, I think one of the things that we need to talk about here is the fact that she had the role late in the season that was boosting the scoring because Melbourne were really, really pushing the form. We kind of talked about a few people that were listed as forwards uh, last season. Anyone else? So the last one for me is Alyssa Bannon, and she's a player that's incredibly exciting to watch, listed as a forward last year. Whether she stays in that forward role is going to be interesting because she did play a lot across the wing. But if she does stay listed as a forward, only averaged 38 last season, but very importantly, finished the year with four consecutive 60s, which immediately raises a bit of a flag there that potentially she had a bit of a role change, which might be fantasy friendly. And if she is only priced at around about that 38, potentially might be someone worth a lot of that increase in scoring towards the back end of the year was impacted by goal scoring, which if we thought that she was a forward and that was what was impacting it, then it indicated that she was becoming more comfortable with the role. But what she was really playing was a fat side winger who was just sprinting back towards goals and happened on a few chances. Now she's an extremely fast player But in terms of sustainable scoring, relying on scoring eight goals in the final four games in the year, which... Yeah, and it's definitely a risk. To do it four four weeks in a row, four sixties in a row, very impressive. She clearly shows that Melbourne were on an absolute tear of form. And that was kind of where they were scoring lots of goals. So those forward players looked really good at the end of last season. Is that going to continue into this new season coming up? Hard to say. So it's always going to be a risk trying to pick a player based on a patch of form. Yeah, like if it was only one or two 60s and they're not all baked into her average, then maybe, but you know that they're going to be baked in. So probably, I know you said underpriced before at only 38 or potentially, potentially underpriced, but yeah, she's also got a lot of high scores in there that might be hard to match again. But very fun to watch, absolute speed demon, just, just the way she just sprints across. Can't believe people can run that fast. Absolutely. Even if you don't have her in your team, Go to a game and just just watch a girl along that wing because it's it's fantastic to watch. So that's probably it then looking at the forwards. Over to the rucks. So this is one that's always tricky to talk about with our teams, but I reckon there's probably two players worth discussing here. Lauren Pierce, 
thoughts, Will? Yeah, she's been one of the most consistent rucks across the entirety of the competition. Usually averages around about that 60 mark. So is getting close to that premium ruck mark. So she was the fourth highest scoring ruck last season. If you're looking to get a premium ruck, she's slightly under some of those other ones. So maybe gets you a bit of money to, to borrow elsewhere. A slightly cheaper elite. So still an elite, but almost like the bottom of the top. <laughs> so that's kind of a tricky position to be in. Absolutely. That's pretty much the takeaway from almost every pod we've had with rucks is that they're all nearly fully priced, which means you're going to struggle to find some something unique in that uh, in that real top echelon of rucks. But I think you've got a, an alternative option, Liam, that you're really keen on, and it's one that I, I really like looking at as well. Yeah, it's it's the true hybrid player that is Eden Zanka, built like a ruck, but runs like an elite midfielder but is someone that I watched intently because she had the CBA, started the season on a tear, but is as about inconsistent as you could possibly imagine for any player. Now, if she is actually able to do anything this season and put together a, like a run of form, she's, she's someone you need to watch. Yeah, there's not many players that can go from a 20 up to 80 plus and then go almost straight back down to... High 20s. Yeah, it was quite interesting as well because last season, barring her debut year in uh, 2018, was actually her lowest averaging season. So she'd average in the 50s, high 50s for the previous two seasons, a 57 and a 59 average. And then that dropped down to 44. It was almost infuriating to watch because you saw her play these games where she was almost unbeatable. And then you'd go back to the next round where she was almost nowhere near the football. So as you say, she's someone that you really need to keep an eye on because if she is playing that, that role where she's getting the footy, she's getting the hit outs, she's, she's getting tackles and all those other stats, she could be absolutely anything. But at the same time, if she's just sort of floating around as a backup ruck and getting lost in the forward line, she's not scoring at all. Yeah, she's probably one of these ones that I found most interesting that we've discussed so far because she's borderline between those really low scoring players and the elites. And it means that she could be underpriced if she just performs as a consistent elite. And therefore maybe one of the options to actually upgrade your rucks that we've seen so few and far between. Yeah, she's probably someone that if she kind of performs to what everyone sees as her potential, nearly a league league winning season because that additional mid-priced player will massively affect your structure. But if you nail that right mid-price player, someone like Eden Zanker who can easily score 80 on her day and look like the best player on the park on a highly talented team, she could you know, massively shoot you up the rankings whilst everyone else tries to fix their rookies. Yeah, and this is the, the type of high-risk player that I absolutely love, Liam. So she's one <laughs> that I'm definitely looking at with a lot of interest. Nice. So should we do a quick whip around of the ins and outs? So key outs to note, uh, Melbourne lost one of their best 21, Shelley Scott, as a mid to Geelong. He was only really averaging 29. Yeah, Shelley Scott's an interesting one. She was listed as a mid last season, but she's mostly been used throughout her career at Melbourne as a key position player. So she played a lot as a, a true centre-half back, also played a lot as a, a centre-half forward as well. So she's likely to probably play forward up at Geelong. So it was actually quite a surprise to see her with such a low average had been a previously very consistent scorer, but is now on that veteran side. And we, we talked a bit about her in, in the Geelong episode as someone who could 
push up that score, but probably unlikely given she's, you know, on the at the twilight of her career playing for a new club. Mm. And others to note, uh, we've got Jackie Perry, the tall forward, going to Geelong. Brianna Tarrant, the defender, going to Sydney, low average of about 22. And Crystal Petreski, the small forward, going to West Coast. And then looking at the ins, much to Will's disappointment, uh, Jordan Ivey is an in. Will, your team, your team last season? Yes, my team last season, Poison Ivy. Unfortunately, Jordan Ivy, one of my favourite players when Geelong has moved to Melbourne, will fill that sort of utility role playing off either the half-forward or half-back flank role. She's one that could slot in into that forward line. We've talked a bit about Sabrina Duffy. Jordan Ivy's probably the other one that, that may get that role, uh, but I'd expect her to play more of a defensive forward role. Mm. And Charlotte Wilson, um, in from Carlton, a young key defender to help help out there. So I think that might be it for Melbourne. Any last remarks? Yeah, I think I think watching who gets that midfield role to replace Eliza McNamara is going to be key. We, we've mentioned a number of players, Kate Hoare, Tyler Hanks, uh, Liv Purcell. They've got some players there who could definitely push up their average. It's just going to be which one of them does and jumping on the right one at the right time. Yeah, and I think the take-home for me is that Melbourne's one of those really frustrating teams, a gun team with lots of great players, and that if you're going to be watching a lot of AFLW games, you're going to be like, well, why can't I find a fantasy-relevant player in this team? But I've got to go back to that comment I was making earlier because they're so overloaded in the midfield. Picking the right one's going to be really hard, and in a game where it's limited on dual-position players, it's going to be hard to find that value at the start of the season and throughout the season. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up there. Uh, thanks for listening to our Melbourne team overview of Free Kick, the Fantasy W podcast. Our best proposed 21 uh, will be out on our socials already for you to check out. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Free Kick W Pod. Uh, tomorrow's 18 Clubs in 18 Days release will be for North Melbourne. So make sure you sus- subscribe to us on Spotify to get access to that one. You can find us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can find me on Instagram as HiMelD. You can find me on Twitter at LMTom1. And you can find me on Instagram at WillH underscore VI. Awesome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>